Klaus Mukumole is the project manager of Kadena SA. He has just returned from Malawi with Kadena International, where their team sought to provide relief. This following it being hit by tropical storm Anna. Klaus is my guest now to tell me more. Klaus, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Klaus, tell me first a little bit about Kadena SA. Okay, Kadena SA is a humanitarian organization that provides aid and relief. We normally do this post, obviously, natural disasters. But in South Africa, because we don't normally have natural disasters, we normally have what we call man-made disasters. That's where we play a role. For example, we have a problem of pit toilets. We have a project where we go to the communities and we give them products that help them clean the toilets and also eat the waste in the toilets. Then we also have a problem of sanitary pads. So we go to the townships and we educate the ladies about menstruation and we also make recyclable pads. So, yeah, that's a bit about Kadena, South Africa. And you have just returned now from Malawi following tropical storm and are causing devastation. Tell me about Malawi. Yeah, we, we returned from Malawi. Spent like four days in Malawi, going to like four regions to try to help the communities that side. The tropical cyclone Anna actually caused a huge damage that side because like when we were on the ground, we realized that actually the water was contaminated. People lost their belongings. They didn't have food. There are a lot of things that they didn't have that side. So um, we went that side with like water filters. So we were, we were teaching the communities that side on how to use the water filters, how they can filter the water and so that they don't get cholera or any other illnesses relating to dirty water. We also gave them solar lamps because obviously they lost power because of the tropical cyclone. So, so most areas don't have electricity. So we give them solar lamps. And yeah, also we gave the, we went with the medical doctor. We provided medical help there. The doctor, our doctor was treating skin infections and also went with a psychologist that managed to deal with psychosocial. So there were a number of things that were happening on the ground because we went to like four, four camps. And yeah, I'm going to talk about this camp soon. Tell me about the camps, Klaus. Oh, yeah. So some of the, so what happens is because people were, they lost everything, so they were moved into some certain areas. Other areas, they were staying in the schools, but most of the areas, they sort of were provided with a tent. So they were staying in the tent. For example, we went to Inchalo Camp. Inchalo Camp also is in the south, where this camp had 468 families. So 468 families were staying there, and in the camp also, they had a committee that sort of ran the camp and understood their needs and everything. Whenever we went there, we knew what they needed. Then went to Jumbo Camp as well, which is in the south. They had over 1,300 households. In this camp, we ended up giving them like buckets and water filters that actually they could use to sort of filter water for everyone in the, in the camp. We gave them solar lamps so that the, the learners that stay in that area can actually start using the, the solar lamps because school is continuing. It's not like it's going to stop because of, uh, because of, um, because of, uh, of, the, uh, of the situation. Then also went to Nabisi camp. Nabisi camp takes place in the school. So what happens is that because of they didn't have tent here, 
during the day, the learners will be at school. Then in the evening, the families that were sort of affected will go to the school and sleep there. Now, BC camp has 553 households. Then also they had a problem with water. Everything that side was damaged. So they, they needed water filters and how to use them. And we had a number of people that were actually affected because they, they, like, uh, they had a medical problem, so they needed to be treated. Then uh, the other one that we went to, I'm trying to look at the name here. So this, this camp that we went to is Biru Camp. Biru Camp had, is the biggest camp that site. It had over 8,000 households. So you can see with the demand that we couldn't really help everyone, but we managed to sort of provide support to those we can. You know, we like we 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 on the ground was very 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 huge. So we needed to find a way sort of accommodate everyone. For example, if you go to one camp like Beru Camp, where they had eight thousand eight thousand households, and already because we came from South Africa with these things, where to pay for luggage, where to pay for a number of things at the at the airport, you know. So it wasn't really easy for us to carry everything that can actually accommodate everyone. But we managed to find a way to accommodate everyone, find a way to actually give these things to like relevant parties, the parties that actually needed them, the parties that are actually going to need them. So, yeah, that's how it worked. Klaus, this is, I'm guessing, your first international mission. Was it what you expected? Yeah, I, this was my first. I sort of... I, I sort of expected the government to sort of help and only to realize that the government of Malawi wasn't really playing a big role. It was mainly the local NGOs that were on the ground. The government might have played a, a small role, but I feel like these people were actually surviving from the help that was afforded by the local NGOs. And it wasn't really something that sat well with me. You know, so I was sort of disappointed in a way. Yeah, but I understood that people would have been dispossessed. People would have, been, would have lost a lot of things. So I had a bit of a picture of what was going down, but I didn't think the need was this much because I realized that we needed to actually at least find a way to help at least 20,000 households. But obviously it's impossible for us. We, don't, we, we didn't have the capacity to do that. And also I think, Maybe we need more organizations as well to be on the ground and to assist in, in, in any way. How long were you there for class? We're there for four days. So we're there four days. And obviously the first day was just sort of to assess and understand the situation, meeting with the local NGOs, meeting with the leadership that side, understanding what, what's needed and everything, and making sure that we draw our mind map, making sure that we, we know the right areas that we'll be going to. Then um, the second day, that's where we started going on the ground. We went on the ground, spoke to, went to like two, two camps and the third camp was just to assess because it was further. Then the second day we went to the third camp and the fourth camp. Then, yeah, then, then the fourth day, that's where we had to fly back. Did you see a, a marked difference from the time you arrived to the time you left? I mean, we're talking about flooding, we're talking about displacement. What what change did you see in the four days you were there? Well, some people already started going back to their houses, but not to stay, but they were just going there to sort of rebuild. Like life was trying to, they're trying to 
continue with their lives. So most of the houses that started cleaning, they already started building again. And yeah, people will sort of continue with their lives because they found a way to go back to school. They found a way to make food. During the day, the ladies or the, the, even the, the husbands, obviously, they will go out in the field to go look for food because they can't just sit there. So life was just continuing as it is. But obviously, during that time, there, was, there were no floods. There were no floods that side. We, we didn't experience any floods at the time. And yeah, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, Klaus, how many South Africans were part of this delegation or this trip? Oh, we were just two South Africans. Then also had a, an international delegate from uh, Cardena International. We had a lady from Argentina that was sent by Cardena International. So it was a very small team. Yes, uh, we had a small team. We, we kept it small because we, we, we were in conjunction with a local NGO called Troke. We managed to do a lot of things together with them because we needed most of them. So we needed to sort of conjunct with them and they came with their volunteers as well and they came with their interpreters so that we don't struggle that side. Uh, it's quite fascinating to try and understand the logistics involved in a mission like that. Do you sleep in a tent? Do you take your own tent with? No, no, no. I mean, our tent. Yes. Where did you sleep? Oh, no, no, no. We, we slept. So we slept in uh, Blantyre. So we, we, we had booked somewhere to sleep. Uh, so we, we were not sleeping in a tent. Okay. Because you just kind of wonder what the logistics involved uh, are with regard to relief missions. And, you know, you're dealing with, I think, um, like 110,000 people displaced, you know, people who are injured, people who are missing. And you yeah. kind of need to be kind of mean and lean and understand, as you said, the situation before, before you kind of go in and help. And I'm just kind of curious as to the logistics behind it. Do you feel very prepared now for the next disaster that you'll have to attend? Yeah, we are currently working on Madagascar. Madagascar also suffered uh, huge damage. We planning to go there maybe in the next two weeks. The problem we can't go now because the whole country is sort of closed. The airports is closed. The airports are closed. Uh, there's no way of entering Madagascar. People on the ground are asking for help. So we're sort of in the uh, plenary stages for that. And yeah, I, I think I'm mentally prepared and. Obviously, even the volunteers that we'll be getting for this mission, they need to be mentally prepared because here we believe that we'll be dealing with a lot of people and uh, we'll see uh, how we're going to help everyone there as much as we won't really help the whole country, but we'll get to help a few. And I would believe that that a few will, will actually get to share the stuff that we give them with the other communities. Wow, absolutely impressive. Klaus, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. That was Klaus Mokomola, the project manager of Cadena SA.